Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Hey, can we uh, put our hands on our hearts this morning and just say this, Heavenly Father, whatever you want to do on our hearts, as we open your word, as we go into new seasons, as we go into new years, as we celebrate uh, what you've done, God, we just pray that our hearts would be, would be humble, our hearts would be open, our hearts would be good soil to receive whatever you want to do in us. And God, we just pray in the next few moments that we would receive everything that you want to do in us. God, we just pray a blessing on the words. God, I'm, I'm just a, a dude, Lord, so Holy Spirit, come and set fire to my words this morning and let it burn in our hearts, God. Let us be forever changed because of the next few moments. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, grab your Bibles. Open them to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to be starting in in, uh, verse 8 and going to verse 14. Then I'm going to be all over the Scriptures. I do want to say this, too. Last week was my last uh, sermon as a 44-year-old. All right? And I thank you for all the birthday love. Uh, Somebody gave me this shirt. I'm not exactly sure who, but I just want to say thank you. El Roy means the God who sees you. And then someone, after the service, it was one of our young guys, they... uh, uh, they drew a picture of me. I look very ripped. I, uh, I, it looks uh, really cool, so I just want to say thank you to everyone. Tons of cards. It was really nice, so thanks for the birthday love. I mean, I feel like the most loved pastor around, I tell you what, so thank you. But uh, turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, and this morning I'm starting a series called Jesus in the Old Testament. It's really a series, it's really a Christmas series about incarnation or the incarnation of Christ. And so this series um, is going to hopefully clarify a few things. If you are curious about Jesus and you don't really know who Jesus is, but you'd like to, I think it's going to uh, clarify a few things because the world that we live in has gotten Jesus wrong. You see Jesus on Time Magazine. You see Jesus all around. Jesus is my homeboy. All lovesick for Jesus. There's all this kind of swirly terminology about Jesus, and uh, there is much debate in the world about Jesus, but there's not debate in the scriptures about Jesus. Amen? So we're going to open the scriptures, and the scriptures point to Jesus on every page. But I do think that there, uh, if we're being honest, there is, even in the church, some confusion about Jesus. And so we need a biblical Christology, all right? Uh, Christology is the theological word for a theology of Christ, Christology. And we're going to go deep for a few minutes. And so if you have pens or notebooks or whatever, take some notes. But mostly the Spirit's going to write this on our hearts. Amen? Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8, going to verse 14, I'm going to read this. It says this, In the same region there are shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. How many people can just see this and say, Hey, I... I uh, take from that passage that God's heart for us is that people will be full of joy, right? He's got, man, this is this, it's a message of joy, all right? So look at verse 11. For unto you, here's, here's the, the anchor and the source of our joy. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby 
wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I want to talk about this passage because there's all kinds of places that I could go with this passage. You know, I could talk about shepherds. Um, and honestly, if I was just kind of like following my heart and going wild, I would base everything on that because I love that who the angelic host were assigned to tell about the incarnation of Christ first with shepherds, right? Lowly ones, humble ones. If you know anything about this uh, time in history and society, shepherds were the lowest on the totem pole as far as honor goes. But here God sends his angels with an angelic announcement to shepherds to tell them first about the coming of Christ. So I love that. But if we're talking about Christology and we're trying to see who Jesus really is and who does the Bible say he really is, this passage lays it out really beautiful for us because it gives three titles here that describe who Jesus is. These aren't names, they're titles for Jesus and they're very significant. You probably saw them and picked up on them in your biblical perception, all right, as I was reading through. But here's title number one. You see it in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. There it is. Who is Christ the Lord? All right? So title number one of Jesus is he's Savior. All right? Man, we, we've been celebrating that reality all morning. Um, this is a, this a, a title for this baby being born is Savior. It's not the name for Jesus. It's the title of Jesus. It's the banner over his, over, over his life. So in other words, the, he's the Savior. He's the fulfillment of messianic prophecy. This is the mission. This is the banner. This is the uh, title. In other words, this baby was born to save, is what the angels tell the shepherds. And you see this in, in Luke Chapter 2, verse 21, that here's the title. This is not the name. The name comes later. If you go down to Luke chapter 2, verse 21, it says, And at the end of the eight days, that's eight days after Jesus was born, when he was circumcised, that's uh, in fulfillment of the Old uh, uh, Testament or the Old Covenant law, he was called Jesus. Now there's his name, all right? That, that, that's not his title. That's his name, all right? Savior is his title. Jesus is his name, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So before Jesus was conceived in Mary's womb, he, had, he was given the name uh, Jesus, spiritually speaking, or angelically speaking. They're like, you're to name his name Jesus. But then uh, eight days after he is born, he is, he's literally given the name Jesus. And now the name Jesus was the responsibility of, of the father, the earthly father, that would be Joseph in this case, to kind of bestow upon his son. Usually it was a family name, like, you know, keep the, the family heritage going. Jesus, though, is a, is a different name. It's kind of like he's, he's bestowing something else here on Jesus, probably made family members scratch their heads, but, but Joseph and Mary both heard from angels that this is his name. Now, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. Did you guys know that? So his name here, what we're seeing is the name Jesus is lining up with his title or his purpose. Title, Savior, his name means the Lord saves. And you can see this whether you're uh, saying Jesus, that's English, or Yeshua, or Joshua, that's Hebrew, all right? 
Yeshua, when we sing Yeshua here, or however you pronounce it, we're singing the name Jesus in, in like, a, you know, in a different language. Or Joshua, if your name is Josh, like, yo, like you're named after Jesus, the name means the Lord saves. You see in Luke chapter 1, verse 31, the angel Gabriel tells Mary, you would call his name Jesus. And in Matthew 1, verse 21, there's an angelic visitation in Joseph's dream. And the angel says, in Joseph's dream, you shall call his name Jesus. Now, here we go again. Name lining up with title, for he will save his people from their sins. That's what Savior means. He's not getting people out of a bad situation. He's not delivering people from uh, some severe discomfort. He's saving people from their sins. This is the mission of Jesus. This is why he came. This is the title over, over his life. And it's actually what his name speaks to. All right. But then we see, if we look at verse 11 again, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That word Christ is the second title. Christ means Messiah or anointed one. All right? Now let me get this really, really clear because in our culture today, most people have like a first, middle, and last name. Uh, usually you just go by your first name or your nickname. Sometimes in some situations you add your last name. So my name's Nathan Herndon. Uh, and I hear people using this as, you know, as Jesus Christ. Jesus is his first name. Christ is his last name. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay? Jesus Christ. It's not his last name. It's Jesus. That's his name. Christ is one of his titles, you see. So when we say Jesus Christ, it's, it's more accurately Jesus the Christ or Jesus the Messiah. That's what we're declaring. It's not, this is his title. The Christ means this is the promised Messiah. So when we call Jesus Christ, we're declaring in line with all of the scriptures that this man Jesus is the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah that Israel was, was uh, searching for and that all the world was yearning for since the start of humanity. Christ. You go back to Genesis 3 and you see right after the fall, the father promises that he's sending the Messiah, Genesis chapter 3, and all throughout, you know, through history now, the earth, whether you've recognized it or not, you've wanted Jesus. The earth has been crying out to be put back together the way it was originally designed. And here, when we call Jesus Christ, we're saying, you are the Messiah. You're the one sent here, anointed to put us all back together the way only you can. You see, the title Christ. And then we go on, look at verse 11 again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, title number one, who is Christ, title number two, the Lord. Now, this one is wild. A Savior who is Christ, the Lord. Now, I'm going to get to the point on this one. The, the Lord means this. The angels are announcing that Jesus is not only the Savior, He's not only the long-awaited Messiah, but he's also the Lord, meaning God himself. You hear this? All right? The angels wanted to get this right. Do you see how much theology is in the angelic? They're not just up there dancing and having a party, just saying random things here. All right? They're announcing, okay, this is the one who's come to save. He was born to die and then be raised. That's how he's going to save you. He was born to save. This is the Messiah. All right? I want to be clear. But this is not just a good dude. All right, who's willing to lay down his life, who is, you know, has a special anointing on his life, but this is God, the Lord, 
in the flesh, born on this day. He is the Lord. So the angels are announcing that Jesus is not only the Savior, the long-awaited Messiah, but the angels are announcing that this is God in the flesh. This, is, this baby that we're inviting you to go see, you, when you see this baby, I know how crazy it sounds because you picture God coming with like a triumphal entry, the, the earth or the, the skies parting, Jesus descending, but not this God. He comes lowly and he comes humble and he comes gentle and he's born into humanity. We call this the incarnation, where Jesus is, bo is uh, born, meaning that he's putting on flesh, all right? Now, here's what incarnation does not mean, and this is where people get tripped up, and this is where bad theology can enter the church, and this is where bad uh, theology just can run uh, wild. And I'm going to talk about this for a few moments with the, the time that I have left. But when we read this, verse 11, for unto you is born this day. Can we stop there for a second? Born this day does not mean that Jesus is born into existence. You hear this? So how could Jesus be God, uh, you know, if he was, if he was born, Right? Uh, if he, how could it be God if, if he's entering, uh, uh, you know, if, if he's entering an existence, the existence that was already going, like who, who created all of this stuff then, all right? So born does not mean that Jesus was born into existence. Uh, born means that he is putting on human flesh. This is not where Jesus began. Listen to this. Let me blow your mind here. Jesus always was. This is not where Jesus began existing. Born is, is speaking to a big word called incarnation. Incarnation says, this is not where Jesus began. The Lord God took on flesh and became man. So, so with this reality, and I hope that you're getting this, that, that incarnation, what is happening here, what, the, what angels were sent on assignment to declare to shepherds, it's one of the most magnificent concepts anybody could, could ever grasp. And whether the shepherds grasped it or not isn't the point. The point is what the angels are declaring. And the angels are declaring a Savior has arrived. He is Christ. And the only way that you can be saved, the only Messiah that would work for you is a God-man, not just a regular old man with it. That's pretty cool. Elijah couldn't do it. Moses couldn't do it. David couldn't do it. They can point to what the Messiah would be like, but they weren't God. Jesus is God. The God-man has been born. He's come in the flesh. This is... So can you... Let, let, me, let, me, uh, let me say this. That incarnation is not, listen, for a time, but for all time. Sometimes the significance of the incarnation, like we just kind of go, we say, well, you know, for the few years that Jesus was on earth, like he was, he, you know, he put on, he was the God man, but then he ascended back to heaven and now he's back to how he was. No, he's not. He's still the, he's still the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. All right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But in the Trinity, he's the God man. He's put on flesh. You can still see the scar on his side and the holes in his hands. You hear this? The, the incarnation, guys, is incredible that Jesus is stepping off heaven's throne, all right, putting on flesh for all time. This is incredible. We've lost this, this beautiful miracle in the church, what Jesus was doing for the bride. Like, wow, all right? 
So, so all of this means then that the angels, think about this. Let your mind just get silly for a second. Laugh on this one. The angels were not announcing and praising out in the field that night a Jesus that they were excited to meet. The reason they were excited for the shepherds to meet this God-man is because they'd known him for ages in heaven. Do you hear this? They were praising and, announce, and announcing a Jesus who they had already known because Jesus didn't start existing in the manger. He always had existed as a part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I'm saying Holy Ghost now, man, because I'm feeling charismatic. All right, you hear that? All right, I've got El Roy shirt on. Come on now, right? So, so Jesus is in... Uh, an eternity past, no beginning, no end. He is the one who stepped into history and put on flesh. And that, my friends, is a thought that we could wrestle with and be blown away by for decades and decades and decades until Christ returns. It is, is unfathomable and deeper than, than you can plumb. The incarnate one took on flesh. So this morning, I want to make sure that we understand this, that Christmas is not a time where we celebrate Jesus being born into existence. Like, I know that I'm repeating myself, but I've preached this type of message before, and I still hear people talking about Jesus like, like he's not God. Like the Father is God, and Jesus is just like the best prophet. That is, that's heresy, all right? That is absolute and utter heresy. Jesus was not just uh, God's best prophet, but Jesus is God in the flesh, all right? So Christmas is not a time where we celebrate Jesus being born into existence. Christmas is a celebration of the reality that God, who has no beginning and has no end, put on flesh, and man, and let's just think about this for a second, and dwelt with us. Man, just God who doesn't need us wants us. You, you get that? God's fine in his godness. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, they're fine together. Doesn't need us at all. Made us for his pleasure and for some reason delights in us. Listen, here's the reason he's that good. And there's a massive distinction between these two. There's a massive distinction between Jesus being the eternally begotten Son, God, eternally existent, and Jesus being a great guy who uh, was born and then somehow became God. That second one, heresy. All right? Now, um, let me tell you a little bit about how, how this heresy, uh, that's actually called, it stems from what's called Arianism in the fourth century. Do you guys, are you guys okay with a little church history here for a second? I don't want to bore you, but we should go deep in church. You know, theology is the study of God. If if you're a Christian, you should want to know God. Oh, man, that should be our, we, we want to know you. We found, we don't want to know the world. We don't, we don't want to know just regular stuff. God, we want to know you. And so you study church history and you, man, you, you get to rub shoulders with some of the greats, but you also get to rub shoulders with some of, of the heretics that some of their lies have still made it through the millennia. All right, I'm using a lot of big words today. Wow, I kind of feel smart. Uh, but uh, um, so in the fourth century in Egypt, there was a man named Arius, and he claimed that Jesus was created and finite. All right, instead of this, so he says, Arius says Jesus was created and finite instead of infinite. 
all right, and the creator, all right? So he's saying, no, no, Jesus wasn't the creator. He wasn't God. He was created by God, and he was finite, so he has a beginning and an end. He's not of equal divinity with the Father. That's Arianism, all right? And it pops up today in the church. I actually hear it around here a little bit, uh, but it, that's why we need Jesus school. Come on, somebody, come on. We're going to get to Jesus school. We're going to go deep. We're not making you feel bad. But listen, a lot of that stuff uh, is on us as a leadership. Like, we've got to teach you the stuff. You've got to know church history. You've got to have a place, you know, but, uh, and some of it's on you. You've got to want it, all right? So can I, can I hit pause for a second? I know that the world is going digital on us, and I know that reading is no longer cool, and I know that most people growing up have a seven-second attention span, but I'm unwilling to settle for that, all right? I want, I, I want some of the best books that have ever been written in the history of the world to start showing up at Providence, and I want us to uh, relearn what it is to learn. I want us to relearn what it is to read, I want, to have, I want us to have books that you can actually cry in and underline that go on a shelf, not are downloaded into the cloud, all right? Like I, I want, I'm not settling for what's going on in our society, and I just don't want to be a culturist that just kind of goes along with culture. I want to be anti-culture in some ways, and I want us to want to know God, even if that means reading, all right? God might surprise you. Like, listen, stop, stop letting this out of your heart onto your lips. So I'm just not a reader. You would not say that if you found a treasure map that had, uh, uh, you know, uh, that showed you where $10 billion was hidden in Spring Grove. You would become a reader and you would, you would learn how to read maps in ancient dialects if you had to. Listen, we have a treasure that is better than $10 billion. I'm telling you, we have to want him again. You hear this? So what happens then, so, so Arianism is on the scene, so that's why Constantine, in 325, he assembles a, uh, a council, it's called the Council of Nicaea, who are some of the brightest and best Christian leaders and scholars of the day, and they got together, and they wrote what's called the Nicene Creed. Now, we've lost creeds in our Christendom. All right, there's another big smart word, all right? We've lost creeds today. And you know, so many of us, we've run away from creeds because they were heartlessly and mindlessly used in the tradition that you come from, like the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only son, blah, 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 wah, 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 right? But actually, these creeds have such rich theology, and they were made to stir our hearts with fire for God, and protect us from weird Arianism, heresies going on in the world. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what the scriptures speak, the Council of Nicaea is saying. Here's what, here's what the Council of Nicaea said. Here's what the scriptures speak. Here's the Nicene Creed in part. I think I have it on the screen. That we believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible. Man, lovesick people are going to cry when you hear this, even when you want to read this. And in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten from the Father, only begotten, that is, from the substance of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, you see, of one substance with the Father, through whom all things came into being, things in heaven and things on earth. And then the rest is rich guys. But man, they're saying, no, this is, Arianism is unbiblical, they're saying. I don't care how many times you've read this and maybe you haven't memorized, but you gotta listen to what it says. Jesus is begotten, not made. He's God. I have two things here as I'm wrapping up. Number one, that Jesus was not created. He is actually the creator. <laughs> you hear this? 
Let's, let's flip to just Colossians chapter 1 for a moment. Let me read this to you. This is Colossians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. He is the image, speaking of Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Now, by saying firstborn here, that's not, once again, it's not, you have to understand, you have to do your homework, guys. Like, this is, this is not speaking to uh, Jesus being born first, all right? This is speaking to Jesus being the, the recipient of, of all of the inheritance of the king. All right? He, he's, he's the firstborn. He, he's the, he's the, the firstborn from the dead, too. There's other people who were raised from the dead before Jesus, but he's firstborn, meaning he gets it all, you see. All right? Look at verse 16. For by him, that's Jesus, all things. Now, I underline that in my Bible. Feel free. I feel like everyone should go through a Bible once a year. You should underline and highlight it and mark it up and cry in it and snot in it and everything. Like, take it everywhere with you. Just mess it up and get a new one every single year, all right? But for by him, all things were created. Guys, do you hear this? For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created, not just on earth, in heaven and on earth. The, the visible and the invisible. When, when the Bible says all things, it means all things. You know there's more invisible than visible? And do you know who made those invisible things that we can't see? Jesus. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things. There we go again. We're created through him. Man, and here's the part. If you're going to circle anything, all things were created through him. Now circle and for him. What is the ultimate purpose for everything's existence? Jesus. Jesus. It's interesting that what the enemy is trying to do is he's trying to get us to run from our purpose. And our purpose isn't a job, and our purpose isn't a uh, you know, place in life, our purpose isn't a skill, our purpose is a man, the God-man, Jesus Christ. He made us, and he made us not, not for a function, but for him, you see. He, you were made for a person. You were made for Jesus. He is your soulmate. Your spouse, as, as beautiful as she may be, as, as uh, you know, attractively handsome as he may be, listen, your spouse or the one that you're looking for, they are not your purpose in life. All right? They, they, they are just someone that's supposed to, to compliment you so you guys can run faster after your combined purpose, namely Jesus. You hear this? All things were created for him. Look at verse 17. And he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Now, I got wrecked by this as about a 22-year-old because I, was, I remember reading this in my house and just thinking, man, these walls are being held up right now by the goodness of Jesus. My heart, faithful ticker, ticking and talking because of the goodness of Jesus. You ever think about that? Like, wow, the things that we take for granted. When you say, I've had such a miserable, you're talking about how great 2023 is? Man, it's not for me, right? Well, did your old TikTok keep on ticking and talking, right? So listen, did the walls stay up in your house? Did the roof not cave in? Like, like there's a, are you able to breathe in air and oxygen release, release CO2? I feel so smart today, man. This is crazy. Hey, if you're able to do that, guys, like you're alive, because of the goodness and the kindness of Jesus, all right? Verse 18, and he's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In other words, listen, you, you and I are pretty great, but Jesus is best, all right? 
and the world doesn't revolve around us, the universe doesn't revolve around us, the unseen order of things and the seen order of things, they don't revolve around us. We weren't made to be the center. We were made to make much of he who is the center. He is, it was all made so all the, uh, the earth could operate in their God-given purpose and their God-given purpose is you are supreme and you are preeminent and you are the best and I come alive when I say so. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, says verse 19, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. So he's the center and he's the reason and he's the direction, all right? God's not just coming and saying, hey, I'm just kind of making things better so you can find your purpose and you can do what you want. You won't have to be in pain. He's, he's saying, no, I, I am your purpose. I'm the center of all things. I'm reconciling you not to a better version of yourself. I'm reconciling you to me whether on earth or in heaven, making peace. Here's how. Not by being a good example, but by making peace by the blood of his cross. <laughs> wow, guys. Man, when you love Jesus, that's hard to read. Listen to this. This is John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. See, John just writes different. He writes more like a creative poet. I love it. Paul gets right to the point, all right? Uh, John is swirly. He's a creative. I, I'm pretty sure he was a hippie. You know, I, I think I, I had read that. You know, but you have to read the Passion Translation to understand. He had, I probably loved the Passion Translation, all right? The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yeah, ooh, hold on. Don't blast past that. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Whew. Guys, th this is our greatest problem. Our greatest problem is that we can't pay our mortgage this month. Our greatest problem is that Jesus came to us, the incarnate one, fully God, fully man. He came to the creation that he made, wanting us, and we just didn't want him. That's your biggest problem, guys. But to all who did receive him, who believed in it, that's how, listen, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name. Oh, hold on. To all who did receive him. Well, how do you receive him? Who believed, that's faith, in his name. That's who he is. He is the Savior, lining up with all of his titles. Messiah, Savior, Lord, who believed in his name. You know what happens to these people who just by faith, listen, Jesus didn't come and be a good example and then step back and say, okay, I showed you how to properly obey the law. All right? I showed you how to do it right. All right? I showed you how to do this. I showed, you, I showed you how to live. Now, do your best. Try hard. I'm giving you a second chance to, to do it right this time. Guys, that's not Christianity. All right? Jesus buys you and purchases you despite you. And he doesn't give you a second chance to do better. That's called religion. All right? He actually purchases you th through faith alone. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, listen, he gave them the right to become children of God. And you know what? Listen to this. God wants you in his family, and you don't have to work for it. Just, uh, can you hear this? God wants you in his family. He, God wants to be your father. <laughs> God wants you. He, hey, guys, I want you. Like, I, I made you for me, but you left me. That's called sin. I'm coming because I want you back. How many of us just? How many of us would would, re, would return the affection to say, 
God, I want you back. You're not the one who left me. I left you. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm coming home, coming home. See, that's if you're even thinking like that, that is faith is alive and going in your heart. Just keep running home. Just keep running home. So you, you, you want, listen, the enemy's going to tell you you were too bad. Man, Jesus specializes in the too bad, all right? The cross of Christ was bigger than the, than the worst sinner sinned, all right? And here, Jesus says, I want you home. I'm giving you the right to become children of God through faith who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now listen to this, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Jesus, guys, Jesus was not created. He's the creator. And him being the creators and stepping into history, the, the creator stepped into his creation. His creation did not want him, but he wanted them. And he says, hey, hold on, I'm going to pay a price. Even though you didn't want me, I want you, and I want you to come home, all right? Now we see this. This message is not new. This message is an ancient door. Since Genesis 3, and I would, I would say that, that God had this in mind, the gospel of Jesus in mind as he was creating everything. God, God I want to show the extravagance of my love. I want to show the extent of my love that I was actually send my son into the world that he created to put on flesh for all time as the God man. I want to, I want to show him. So all, all throughout the Old Testament, the Old Covenant scriptures, all right, we, we see Jesus even before he's born into the earth. Do you know why? Because he's God and he's always existed. And he's still, Jesus is still showing up in the scriptures before his incarnation, all right? There's so many of these. These are called Christophanies, all right? That's the theological word for it. But here's my favorite one. It's, it's uh, Daniel in the fiery furnace. Do you guys know this one? Daniel in the fiery furnace. Man, I didn't even mark this in my Bible. Let's, uh, uh, Daniel, in the, Daniel in the fiery furnace. It's Daniel chapter 3, verse uh, 13 to 18. I'm just not going to apologize for reading a lot of the Bible. I'm almost done here, guys. So watch this. So this is Dan. So this is this is uh, thousands of years before uh, Mary gives birth to the Messiah, Jesus. And here is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are their uh, those are given names. Those aren't their Hebrew names, but they're, they've been hauled off. They're uh, slaves in a uh, uh, distant land, and uh, King Nebuchadnezzar is the emperor, he's the, he's the king in Babylon, and he built an, an idol to himself, and he told everybody, he gathered everybody, and this is, this is the opposite of humility, but he gathers everybody and says, I'm going to have my best musicians play, and when they play, I want you all to fall down before the altar of me and worship me, all right, because he thought he was God. And look at this, this is where we pick it up in Daniel chapter 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, and when, then there was three men. Everybody falls down, and the, these three radical uh, Hebrews stand. They're shaking their head like, I know God, that's not him. This is I, not doing it. And that is what we need in our day, as everybody's bowing down to everything, everything that twinkles, all right? People that would say, man, that, that was kind of cool, but it's, it's not God. I'm not giving it my heart. Daniel chapter 3, verse 13, Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. 
Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear that, he's giving them a second chance. This is where second chance comes. They're, they're anti-kingdom. You don't get second chances. You get grace. Come on. But here, this guy's giving a second chance. Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Woo! Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, this made Nebuchadnezzar angry, so he he gives orders to set the furnace seven times hotter, all right? It was so hot that uh, that the guards who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace died. They weren't even in it. They were on the outside, but the heat is so intense that the guards died. They throw these guys in, and that's where we pick it up in verse 24, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had been thrown in the furnace. The the guards are dead because of the heat. Now the three are in the fire. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He he declared to his counselors, "Did Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, but I see, somebody get, get, a, get, a, get an amen on, on, your, on your heart for a second. But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And, and the Passion Translation says, they're just tanning. All right, they're just, uh, they're, it's, like, it's like they're on vacation. Like, is this a, uh, and, and then it says this, and the, listen, and the appearance of the fourth is, is like, here's, here's how Nebuchadnezzar sees it. He's like, he's like a son of the gods. Wow. Well, a king, kind of a king who would build himself a statue, <laughs> who's been worshiping all kinds of demons all of his life, he has, he has in some sense the ability to see that that fourth guy in there is not just an angel. The fourth guy, that is the son of God. This is a Christophany, my friends. This is a physical appearance of Christ before his incarnation. This is Jesus. And this is Jesus shows up, even old covenant, to people who just put him first and wanted him. They said, man, I'll go to the flames. I want you more than I want my own safety. I'll go to the flames in a second. Jesus says, you know what, man, I'm drawn to that kind of faith. I'm just going to walk around in the flames with you. I'm going to protect you. You're going to come out more tan, and, uh, but, but unharmed. And you see this, guys. I, I had a, 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 uh, a memory this morning as, as I was praying about this moment and that I'm done. But I had a, morning, a, a memory this morning of being a five-year-old, and I was in a sporting goods store in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And I had, uh, I had to find the bathroom in the store. And the, it was kind of like a mom-and-pop shop. So I walked through a, a door. They kind of pointed me, and I walked through a door, and I entered a hallway with lots of doors, but then they, they signified what door was the bathroom, and so I went in there, and my, you know, my parents said, we'll be right here when you're done, and so they were in the shop. I was kind of in this kind of hallway in, in the bathroom. I hope you can kind of picture that. 
And so when I was finished in the, in the restroom at, at five, I remember walking out and all I saw was this long hallway with what seemed like a hundred doors on each side. And I got really flipped out as a kid because I couldn't read. I didn't, know, I didn't know my way back into the shop where mom and dad were. And so I started trying a bunch of locked doors. And I could not, <laughs> I, I could not get in, so I started running up and down the hall. And I, was, and I started flipping out and I started screaming. And it, it's actually the screaming that alerted my dad to me. And he walked in the right door, and he said, here's the door, buddy. I'm so sorry. I just jumped in Dad's arms. I didn't want to walk anymore. He just carried me through the rest of the store. And I think I got that. I mean, I haven't had that memory in such a long time. I think I had that memory for somebody here today or maybe for some people here today that you're in the same place, that, like, the doors are representative of lots of different religions, or you just kind of say all doors lead to the same God. I'm telling you, they don't. They're all dead in roads. I promise there is one way to the Father. There's one way to God, the God-man Jesus Christ. And so my dad, he comes out, and he, he shows me the way. And here this morning, if you would just admit, I've tried all the different doors on my own. I have no clue which way to go. I'm getting desperate here. What I do know is I don't have peace. All the things that the angels promised, I don't have joy. I, I can tell you that. What I do know is, is that I'm, a, I, I'm more of a critic of society than a lover of people. I can tell you that. What I do know is that, is that I hear about God, but I don't actually know the man. Like, I would kind of like to, but I don't know how you do. Like, hey, this morning, let me make it very simple for you. You can stop trying this morning. You can just tell God in faith right now that I just want you, and I'm sorry for all the different roads I've been down, God, but here today, I'm choosing you. You can just say, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, would you save me? I'm telling you guys, even if you're willing to pray that, you're getting saved. Just all over the room, just tell God, would you save me? All the doors didn't work. I'm high and dry, joyless and peaceless, and I just want you this morning. I just want you this morning. Some of you saying that to God. I think some of you are. I just really believe that these are days where people are going to start uh, saying that more and more to Jesus and, and that breakthrough is happening even in the house this morning. Guys, listen, listen. Jesus is not just as good as he says he is. He's better. I'm telling you that the English language can't contain, no language in the world can't contain his goodness. And some of you here are here and you're saved, but you, you have become unconvinced of how good God actually is, that he is the treasure that you were made for. And so while some people are getting saved today, other people, you know what you need to do is other people are returning to your first love and you need to say, I'm willing to sell my fields for the treasure that Jesus is. Some of you are just coming back to the Father this morning. If that's you, just like tell God, God, I want you again. So sorry, I want you again. I, I repent of all my nasty fields. They're nasty. And I just come back to, to you today. And so no matter what, Jesus wants us. Do you know how, listen, do you know how loved you are? Do you know how loved you are? That God who does not need you steps into time and space to get you. Man, how great is he? But how wanted are you? Let me, let me erase a lie in your heart and your mind. And here's the lie. You're not wanted. You're not lovely. You're not worth pursuing. That is a hellish lie. That's what the enemy speaks to people because, because he, he doesn't want them to know Jesus. Man, he doesn't want what's best for you. Here's the truth. You're wanted by God. You are wanted by God. You are richly and deeply and radically loved by God. And not just word deep, but action deep. He stepped off the throne. He paid the price for you at the cross. He was raised, signifying and proving who he actually is. And he sees you and he wants you. And you, listen, he can be yours. 
Merry Christmas. He can be yours, guys. He can be yours. Uh, some of you here, could, could, uh, could I just tell you this? Um, some of you who have, uh, this morning, you've told God for the first time, hey, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. I want to receive you as my Messiah. I want to receive you as my Lord. Can you just lift your hand? Is that anybody here this morning? It's like, just for the first time, I just want to give my whole life to Jesus. Anybody here? All right, I'm not going to make you come up here. I just want to see, okay, there's, there's some people back here. That's good. Um, all right. Well, how about this? I think it's a hard thing to know how to do, but here, I'm going to stand over here by these beautiful Christmas trees, all right, for as long as I absolutely have to today. I'm going to, I just want to talk and pray with every single person who wants to receive Jesus as their treasure and their Lord, all right? And then I just want to call other people as our, as our uh, prayer and ministry team comes to the front, even now. I just want to call other people that, man, you, you want the fire of God again. You've, you've let weeds grow in your heart. And this is a day of repentance for you and coming back to Jesus and following again. I just want you to come be prayed over here this morning. Is that okay? All right? All right. So just, man, let, let's, just, let's just take 30 seconds here. Man, let's just... Oh, just give our hearts to Jesus. Jesus, do great and awesome things in your heart for these people. God, don't let anybody leave today unchanged. God, sometimes escaping this room is, uh, man, it's like a defense mechanism. I just pray that some people would press in to the awkwardness and they would, they would find that you have everything that they've ever needed. So God, I just pray that you would bless people and that you would move in people, God, and that it would all be for your glory, and we would be a radical, crazy, silly, happy, laughy, very peaceful, very wild, very free church that has found that Jesus wants us just like we are and makes us something that we can never be on our own, that we would just get silly over that reality, God. So just bless these people. Thank you, Jesus, that you're God and that you came, and we are excited to hug on you for real when we see you one day. God, we just bless you. We praise you. Save people now. Set people free and deliver people, we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.